What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Gold Diggers Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrera, joined as always on a Friday from the Ball Blast Football Podcast and NFL.com, Michelle Majuk. What's up, Michelle? Hey, hey. Is it just me, or does it feel like there is absolutely no need for week 18 of NFL season, especially this year? Like, there's just no need. Just I was all four more games, and now I'm just like, you know what? There was actually no need to add on another one. For most of the teams, there's there's like four teams where it kind of matters. But yeah, I agree. It's really weird. It's weird for the Niners because these last two games are essentially just playing out. And I know they can get the one seed and stuff, but like they're in the playoffs. So yeah, it'd be great to get the high seed, but it really it feels different than it has in years past. Yeah, now you just like have to hold your breath and hope for no injuries to happen across all the league. Like before the playoffs, you know, Dak had that scare last night where he was holding his knee and you're like, if someone like Dak Prescott were to get hurt before the playoffs, mm-hmm. like seriously injured, like that's just going to ruin the playoffs. That already the first week of the NFC playoffs looks like it's going to be the worst slate of games of all time. So, like, please, the actual good quarterbacks in the NFC, can you please stay healthy? Like, I don't I don't want to watch crap games. Yeah, I, we've had some, but I agree. Like, just as a general fan of the NFL, let's go here. Let's get to the playoffs. Did you listen to the Gold Standard podcast this week, Michelle? I did. I did. I thought it right at the beginning of the show. I thought Levin was about to steal your hey, hey, and I, like, warned him, like, do not go there. He called me fat, um... What's his name? No, he didn't call you fat Albert. Well, kind of. He kind of did. He said he said, Al- he, he, he said people who say hey hey are like fat Albert, which I, I've never watched. Like I never watched the show or movie or whatever it is. So I just want to make it very clear. Levin did not call he called me fat. One of right? the females on the staff he fat. He called that is me not fat. What That's what I heard. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Please rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We are incredibly grateful for all your support we have smashed our download record that we set last year we have more than doubled it in fact and that is thanks to you so we are thankful for all your support it's a weird game to get into michelle it is niners raiders it was nine and a half now it's down to niners by nine no Derek carr in this one it feels like a lot of the raiders players are kind of checking out This is not a a spot that the Niners under Kyle Shanahan are accustomed to being in, but here we go. I mean, it should be an easy week for San Francisco. I don't even know if the Raiders score a point. I really, really don't. (laughs) This is the thing. They don't even have bets up for players on the Raiders side at all. You, you, not even well they don't even have 49ers right now, but if you even go to different betting apps, there's nothing on the Raiders because they – What's going on with them right now? They benched Eric Carr. They still do have the tiniest of chances to make the playoffs. No, they would have to beat the 49ers and the Chiefs. That's not happening to begin with. And then a million other things. And I get why they're benching Derek Carr because he's garbage. And also, (laughs) like, they don't want to waste their money. If he were to get injured, then his uh, contract would be guaranteed. It seems like he's going to be gone next year. I am most interested in... Does he keep his word before this season? He said, if I'm not a Raider, I will retire. Like I'm going to end my career as a Raider. Does, is that still a thing or does he go to a different team? I have no idea. I mean, technically he could go to a different team, then come back with the Raiders, sign a one day contract and retire and technically end his career with the Raiders. 
The interesting thing I think from the 49ers is, does Jimmy Garoppolo end up in Vegas, right? Because Josh McDaniels is there, his former offensive coordinator in New England. So maybe Jimmy G is going to be uh, checking out the Las Vegas real estate scene. Yeah, and I think this is kind of nice for him, right? Because it could be, I think the Jets want him. They should mm-hmm. want him because they they really can't go the route of drafting another quarterback right now. I mean, you've already failed miserably twice with really, really early picks at that. So they probably need to look for a vet unless Mike White just balls out these next two games and they just forget Mike White. But even then you can say you still need to bring in a vet and then they can have a competition if you want. That's fine. But you got to bring in someone. Now I think there could be um, a bidding war for Jimmy between the Jets and the Raiders. I actually think the Jets would be a really nice landing spot for him. I think he'd be garbage with the Raiders with Josh McDaniels. I will say Brock Purdy doing what he's doing cannot help Jimmy Garoppolo in terms of <laughs> like teams wanting to pay him and feeling confident in him because you know a seventh round rookie can do exactly what you're doing except even better. So that's that's not great for him. Not a great look. Hey, then you know what? That's a Jimmy Garoppolo problem. After this season, that is not going to be a 49ers problem. Uh, let's focus more on the 49ers, even though I know it's difficult because this, like, in terms of juice going into this game, all it is from from my perspective is nobody get hurt. Nobody yeah. get hurt. Every single play. That's all I'm hoping for. Just everybody get off the ground. Whatever happens during the play, okay, I'm willing to accept. <laughs> I just want everyone on their feet once the play is over. And uh, Kyle Shanahan needs to go to George Kittle and say, you know, if you're trying to like, – if- Defender is trying to tackle you. Just go down. We don't need those extra yards in these games. Just go <laughs> down. Do not get injured because he like it, you have a lot of uh, hard headed men on this team that will die for their team to get those extra yards. But throughout these next two games, don't push it. How great has it been seeing Kittle just sort of reemerge? Brock Purdy uh, spoke to the media this week, and he his exact quote, I think, was, I love throwing two tight ends. Well, guess what, Brock? Keep it going, man, because it is so great to see. And I know people are like, well, Debo's down, so that's why Kittle's getting extra targets. Maybe not. Maybe Brock, like he said, just likes to chuck it to tight ends. And it, I really feel like it changes the offense Uh, Akash had a good tweet this week. George Kittle has six touchdowns this year of 25 yards or more. Six. First of all, George Kittle almost never gets six touchdowns in a season, let alone six of at least a quarter of the field or more. That is the most by a 49ers player since 2001 when Terrell Owens accomplished the feat. Like Kittle's a legit weapon, but he's only a weapon if you throw him the ball. And right now they are doing that. Yeah, they are. Purdy has a perfect passer rating when targeting George Kittle. Perfect. Let's go. 158.3. You cannot have a better passer rating. Pretty insane. But also, Purdy's six pass touchdowns of 25-plus yards in his first three starts are the most in a quarterback's first three starts in NFL history. What is even more wild is that Jimmy Garoppolo has seven touchdowns of 25-plus yards over the last two seasons, and Purdy has six in his first three starts like this is what Purdy's better for this team than Jimmy Garoppolo because he can do everything that Jimmy can he can be that game manager but also his little quickness in the pocket and how he's able to like get away from defenders he's like so sneaky quick 
it, it changes things. And he just seems to be a little bit less scared while he's playing as well. I, I don't know. I, I think seeing what Brock Purdy's doing, I would not. Again, I would go back to, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo will be good anywhere else. This is going to sound weird because it's the wrong sport, but I feel like Brock Purdy is a better ball handler than Jimmy Garoppolo. Like Brock Purdy has handles. He's comfortable with the ball. You see him with like these pump, the double pump fake play, the play where he faked the pitch. I think it was the first play of the game last yeah. week. He faked the pitch, dropped down to his sidearm, hit Ayuk on a slant. Like he's comfortable manipulating the football in a way that Jimmy Garoppolo is in a way that a lot of quarterbacks that aren't. He plays fair. cooler. Like he just looks. Cooler. <laughs> yeah. <he does. laughs> It does. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, it is. I mean, what he's honestly done through these first three starts is he's like he's breaking records or he's with guys that are absolutely amazing. So Purdy and Dan Marino are the only quarterbacks since 1950 with multiple multiple pass touchdowns and 100 plus passer rating in each of their first three starts. The only guys who have higher passer ratings in the Super Bowl era era in their first three starts are Kurt Warner and Patrick Mahomes. So it's like what he's been doing through these first it's again, it's three starts. So anything can happen, but I mean, so far so good. So I asked this to Levin yesterday and I wrote a piece for NinersNation.com. And I want to ask you, cause you're outside the bubble. Is this specifically what you think life will be like with Brock Purdy? Or do you think that the offense that we are seeing now is what life will be like when you have a quarterback that's not Jimmy Garoppolo under center. Yeah, I don't even know if it has so much to do about Brock Purdy. I think it's about having a guy back there that's just a little bit more elusive than Jimmy. It's not like Jimmy Garoppolo was a statue. It's just when you're comparing him to the other quarterbacks in the league, he's average to below average mobility. And Brock Purdy is kind of uh, above average. That's for sure with his elusiveness. And I think that's what you're seeing. Just a guy that is not so scary to throw it down the field. I'm, I, I'm just happy Jimmy Garoppolo's not here anymore. I'm not gonna lie. It, <laughs> it's it's refreshing to see someone that it doesn't have to be Plan A or nothing. Like Purdy just has that ability right. to make something else happen if everything's not perfect. And I think I, I said that a lot earlier in this year. It's like okay, everything has to go perfect or it's not gonna go. Now I will say, I mean, you went into halftime last week, seven to seven, right? Was that the official score at halftime? Either way, uh, off the top of my, yeah, only, I think it was seven, seven. It was only that one Ray Ray McLeod long touchdown. So it's not like the offense is just humming a lot of it's mm -hmm. big plays or they're not scoring, right? It's not like, and it's so many times they had a really short field when they got a lot of these points at the end of the game, it's still yes. the defense doing everything. And then the offense coming together, but it, it's not worse than when Jimmy was here. That's for sure. Right. We, we could have said the same thing. And to be clear, and I know you mean this, but I just want to explicitly state it so nobody freaks out. You're not saying you're glad Jimmy Garoppolo is hurt. Oh, no. All you're saying is you like seeing a different quarterback under center. That's it. So just everybody, yes. you know, nobody freak out about that. But I agree with you. And I didn't want to say it too much early in the week because I feel like people don't hear you when you say this. But the offense wasn't that great against the Commanders, even though they scored 37 points. The defense set them up on short fields time over and time and again. And, yeah. And the Niners did not cash in. So, again, that's why I continue to not make any definitive statements about Brock Purdy. Like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to get caught up in that. I'm just going to enjoy the ride. Uh, but as long as they have this defense, which doesn't appear they're going anywhere. And I think, Michelle, 
that they are going to come out this week even more fired up because apparently D'Amico Ryans has been on them because they haven't been up to his standard the past couple of weeks. I mean, the commanders got to 20 points, which is something that nobody had done against the 49ers since the Chiefs. And so he is basically pounding those guys like, hey, you're slipping. Let's go pick it up, which means that Jared Sidham could get a fired up 49ers defense, which is a scary thought. The reason why they got to 20 points is because, uh, uh, oh my goodness, I keep, why am I not thinking of his name? Ty, uh, Taylor Heineke is crazy. He has, he does not care. He doesn't care if he uh, throws picks. So he is going to throw it. <laughs> And just be like, Terry McLaurin, just catch this. Or Jahan Dotson, just catch it. And that's the reason why they put up some points is because Terry McLaurin made fantastic catches. Although that pass by Taylor Heineke when Nick Bosa was like chasing him down and then he threw it to Jahan Dotson, like a perfect throw on the run. I was like, damn, like that was fantastic. He is, he can make some good throws. Like he's not a good overall quarterback when it comes to like starting all the time and having to make you know, good throws the whole entire game, but he's a good little player. So I, I I don't know. I was impressed with the defense. They, they were crazy in the second half of the game. A bad game for the 49ers defense is a great game for any other defense. But, uh, you know, in in a game that I thought maybe could be a letdown, it's new year's day. It's in Vegas. Like I I think D'Amico Ryan's going to have those guys ready to go. The only thing I'm really worried about to me, there's only one player on the Raiders that could wreck things for the 49ers, and that's Max Crosby. Because I think Max Crosby's going to come into the game with a chip on his shoulder. Like, hey, everybody thinks Nick Bosa is so great. I'm better than Nick Bosa. I got picked in the fourth round. Nobody talks about me in the same vein. If you go look at their numbers, like there's some comparable numbers between Crosby and Bosa, maybe not this year, but in previous years. And there's there's a vocal contingent of Raiders fans for sure that will go to their deathbed saying that Max Crosby is at least just as good as Nick Bosa. He's the only one and he's going to be matched up on Mike McGlinchey because, because Crosby basically lines up on the left side of the defense pretty much every play. And look, Mike's been playing great lately, but that's not a matchup you want to see that favors the Raiders. Clearly Crosby's the only one that could wreck the game plan. I think. Yeah. And he'll get some pressures. This is the thing about Max Crosby is he gets a ton of pressures, but like last year he was one of the top three guys in pressures and only eight sacks. He can't finish. And mm-hmm. it's because he's not as athletic as Nick Bosa or a TJ Watt. Like that's the difference between these guys. It's like, cool. You, you have some good moves at the line and you're strong and you can put pressure in their face. And, it, and that, I mean, Hey, pressure can make offense do, you know, make mistakes as well. And it's not all just about sacks, but at the same time, you gotta you gotta finish more often. So if you lead the league in pressures, you should have a lot more sacks than you do. He is up to eleven and a half this year, but still, it's not. They're not even in the same ballpark. I'm just like, yeah, Max Crosby's fine, but like, I don't know. I don't. He'll get pressure. I'm pretty sure. It's not. He's not. Purdy can handle it, man. We've seen that Purdy can handle pressure, like. Uh, Crosby could get free a couple times and Purdy will just do some crazy yeah, like, friggin' thing. That's the thing. It's he's not very good at finishing. So Purdy will get away. He might get sacked once by Crosby. I'm not worried about that. They're, I'm like, I really don't think the Raiders can do anything. I don't think they're like Jarrett Sidham, what is he going to do? He has uh 61 pass attempts, four interceptions. His four <laughs> interceptions and 61 pass attempts. You have to play against his 49ers defense. Also, my biggest thing is, okay, 
Josh Jacobs is, you know, leads the league in rushing attempts. But at this point, they're benching Derek Carr. They're playing for nothing. He is mad at the organization. He, yeah. he said it after last week. He's right now only focused on that contract next year. Like, where am I going to get this contract? Stay healthy. Why in the world would he go out there and give it his all? Or like, I would be like, I'm not getting fed in these last two games. Like, there's no way. I don't even know if I, if, if I'm him right now, I have a back injury. I have a back <laughs> injury. Like, why would you put yourself at risk? If you get injured, then you don't get your payday. And he deserves his payday. Right. Do you want to go out and get blasted by the 49ers rush defense? I don't know that you do. Uh, one last note on McGlinchey, I want to say. He has allowed just eight pressures in the last seven games and no sacks. And he's been playing with broken ribs. So I know we get on him a lot. Apparently the playing. broken ribs has helped him. You know, he just plays <laughs> better now. He just needed to break his ribs this whole time. Right. Somebody just punched Mike McGlinchey in the side and we'll be good. No, but he deserves credit for that. Um, he's a guy that's had to battle a lot on the mental side of things. And, and sometimes bad plays can snowball on him, but he has been doing an incredible job. So shout out to Mike McGlinchey for that. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get to some best bets. Although, like you said, it's been a little different this week because Vegas doesn't want to put anything on the board because they are a little worried about what's about to happen. But we'll give you our picks when we come back. Back here on the Gold Diggers podcast. All right, Michelle, we love your picks. We need your picks Every single week, you've been money for us. We really appreciate it. And uh, last week, three pretty good three. week for you, as I recall. Three for three, baby. I love getting the texts from you. It's, before I could even reach for my phone when something happens and you hit your bet in the game, I get bing. There it is. <laughs> well, they were pretty easy last week. They all they all hit. The first two hit real fast, and then McCaffrey really didn't have any receiving yards. I wish I could give you guys props this week but there's really they don't have up any player props for either team like I would like Christian McCaffrey over his receiving yards this week I just don't know what it's going to be the Raiders have given up the most receiving yards to opposing running backs this season so love that for him Kittle whatever that whatever that line is take that as well uh but again we don't have it I did want to just bring up some bets though for the team right because okay. I keep saying I just don't see the Raiders doing anything. So one prop I love is 49ers defensive touchdown plus 500. Are you telling me that Jarrett Siddham isn't going to throw two interceptions plus in this game? Obviously they have to then bring it back, right? They have to bring it back. See, to the that's touchdown. the key. That's the key. And that can be hard, but like you're telling me he's not going to just throw a terrible ball where a defender just has open <laughs> space to run. Like he is going to, he might be benched at halftime because he throws five interceptions. I don't know. He could have a Nathan Peterman type game. He's going to get pressure. That's the thing. And when you are under pressure, quarterbacks make dumb decisions. So I could easily see a situation where he's back there. He's trying to make something happen. He's under pressure. He sees a guy in the flat that's open at the last second, and he throws it up. And then you've got Mooney Ward or Talanoa Hufanga or even Tashawn Gibson swooping in as the ball is in the air, cutting right in front of it and taking it to the house. This is normally never a bet I would make, but I do like your thinking here. You've got a quarterback, very inexperienced against a great defense, a fired up defense. You've got maybe a supporting cast that for the Raiders that could be mailing it in 
Like this is a sneaky good bet. What what are the actual odds again? Plus five hundred. So it yeah. is a, it is a risky bet, right? Because you need you need a turnover plus you actually need them to get all the way to the end zone, which is not the easiest thing to do. But I will say, like, then this is a perfect bet to just put down ten dollars, right? Like right. you're not risking too much. It's ten dollars and you get to, you know, and you have it for a whole three hours. Three hours of entertainment. A, you're watching the 49ers anyways, but then you win 50 bucks if that happens. Like, I'll take $50. Let's go. Yeah, I think I like it. I like where your head is at on this one. If there was ever a week to bet on a defensive touchdown, it's this week, especially because Colt McCoy, I think, is going to be back for the Cardinals in week 18. So, like, if it was Trace McSorley, that might have been your week there. But if he's back, this is it. Jared Stidham, do it for us, Jared. All right, what's best bet number two? Raiders under 15 and a half points. You get even odds at plus 100. And I just, I, I don't see them scoring a touchdown at all. I, I just don't see it. So under 15 and a half. And I feel great about that. Can you see Jarrett Stidham getting like the only way they score points is if they get a, a fantastic return, a, a kickoff return or punt return or something like that. And they get close to the end zone and then they have to kick a field goal. Like that's it. That's it. Or Daniel Carlson kicks like a 50 yarder. Cause he's a really good kicker, but I don't see them getting into the end zone. The thing I like about this is that the Raiders could still get two kind of BS touchdowns and you're still under. Yeah. So like, even if you account for some like random chance, maybe Brock Purdy has a turnover in his own territory, something like that. And the Raiders end up cashing it in. That can happen to you twice and you could still potentially hit this under. So I like this one too. I don't think it's going to be a shutout, but yeah, I, I, I would be stunned. I mean, before last week, nobody was even reaching 18 points against the 49ers with their starters, with everything going well. So I think under 15 and a half makes a ton of sense. I do wish they had a Jacobs line because I don't like I keep saying I don't know how much he's honestly going to play. Like either this is the thing you would expect them to feed him a gazillion times because Jarrett Stidham is there and he is the lead rusher this year in the NFL. He's looked fantastic. But if you're him, I'm not getting fed the ball 30 times. There is 0% chance that's happening. Like you're not going to ruin my contract situation. It's not, it's not going to happen. So um, they don't have that though, but I would like to take the under and Josh Jacobs. But my last one then is just taking the 49ers spread. It's minus nine right now. They've outscored opponents by 133 points since week eight. Uh, destroying it in the second half plus 11 and turnover differential as well. Like this, that's why so stupid. Good. They're so stupid. Good. <laughs> Either they, they could win. It, it could be just like last week where it stays. Maybe like they're not putting up a ton of points on the Raiders right away, but at the end of the game, it's going to pull away. They're going to win by more than 10 points. And this, I don't know why the line went down. It was minus nine and a half. Why is it now minus nine? I don't know. Are people really betting on the Raiders plus nine? That seems so stupid. Yeah, I don't know. Unless Vegas knows something we don't. And we've seen that recently where all of a sudden you'll see massive changes in the line. Maybe Bosa then, isn't playing. But even, I mean, he was back at practice yesterday. So yeah. I know he missed Wednesday with an illness, but he was back. Um, it only so, moved by 0.5. That probably just means betters are taking plus nine. I just, for the Raiders, I just don't get why they would ever do that. Uh, by the way, you mentioned in the second half, since the Chiefs game, the 49ers have four second half shutouts and they've outscored opponents 117 to 37 in the second half. Yeah, that is 
insanely, obscenely good. And maybe part of the reason is the halftime adjustments. By the way, Matt Barrels has an awesome story right now in The Athletic about what the Niners do at halftime. Kyle Shanahan let Barrows just be a fly on the wall inside the locker room at halftime of the Commanders game. And he goes into detail about like how they break it down. They separate the room into two sides, offense and defense. They put out like folding chairs so everybody can sit down. It's a really cool thing, especially considering the halftime is only 13 total minutes. So it's a really cool breakdown to see. But you're right. In the second half, the Niners are absolutely shutting teams down. And we're kind of spoiled, but... I'll take it. What I don't understand while watching the commanders game is like, they just teams just continue to try to run up the middle against the 49ers. <laughs> like, it's not going to happen. You're just giving away plays. You're saying, okay, we're giving up on this play. We're giving up on this play. And that's when I started thinking like, okay, like who could they possibly face in the NFC? A lot of teams in the NFC, especially when you're looking at the wild card teams that you'll be facing that first round, they need the run game to get going. Like they can't just lean on their passing game. And if you need the run game to get going to beat the 49ers, it's just, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Now they do allow yards to the air. And it's just like, why don't teams try that a little bit more, but they keep trying to establish the run. It's just like, all right. I mean, if you want to lose, then okay. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. I know you can't just completely abandon the run, but that might be the only thing scary if they do make the Super Bowl and it, like you face the Bills or the Chiefs because like they don't care about establishing the run in the slightest. Well, I think that's what Josh, uh, Josh, but I think that's what Mike McDaniel tried. Remember in the game against Miami, the Dolphins only ran the ball eight times in the yeah. whole game because I think he realized that. And by the way, it's only getting harder to run the ball up the middle against the 49ers because Javon Kinlaw is back. And we saw on the goal line stand against the commanders like, Kinlaw is a massive space eater. He's, you just don't move him. And of course you would like him to get penetration, but even when he doesn't get penetration, he's just there. You cannot move the line of scrimmage against him. And he opens things up for Greenlaw and Fred Warner and Aziz at the second level. Like, so it's getting harder to run the ball against the 49ers, which is even better news for us. Sometimes it doesn't make any sense because it looks like there's a hole. And then all of a sudden they just get nothing. Like it looked like Brian Robinson was going to walk into the end zone, like just walk in. I don't know if that was on Brian Robinson, not being a great running back or like, it feels like when a 49ers defender gets to a player, like actually touches them, they don't move. Like it doesn't matter who the defender is. They do not like, you don't get any yards after contact against us. Like it does not happen. No, the 49ers do not miss tackles. That's another thing about this defense. They fly all over the place. And when they get to you, you get stopped. They actually have, I think, two players who haven't missed a tackle that have played in 50% of a team snaps or more. One is Charvarius Ward, and I can't remember who the other one is off the top of my head, and I apologize for that. Is it is it Greenlaw? Is it, I can't remember who it is, but they had two, which is insane. But like, it just speaks to the speed and the, fun, the fundamentally sound way that this team plays defense. They're really freaking good. I know we keep saying it, but it... it don't do not take this for granted. This is not normal. No. And uh, so it's not normal what they're doing. There's a lot of stats I can give you here to compare them to fantastic defense in the past. But this one right here, the 2022 49ers and 2000 Ravens, remember like the 2000 Ravens are considered one of the best defenses like ever are the only team since the 1970 merger to allow fewer than 12 points per game and fewer than 70 rushing yards per game from November through December in a season. 
Now, remember, the 2000 Ravens won the Super Bowl with, uh, what's his name? I can't even Trent Dilfer. Trent Dilfer. Thank you. Like, a quarterback that should never be winning a Super Bowl. But because the defense <laughs> was so damn good, it didn't matter. And that's kind of what we can see here. Now, I would even say, you know, Brock is a little bit more exciting than Trent Dilfer. Yeah, least. he is. Yeah. So, th- like, yeah, do not take what they're doing for granted right now in the slightest. They're actually so... I'm going to give you one more stop. In each of the 49ers' eight consecutive wins, they have held opponents to fewer than 80 rushing yards. They're the first team since the 1934 Lions, the 1934, <laughs> to win eight-plus games, consecutive games, and allow fewer than 80 rushing yards in each of them. And we all remember those 1934 Lions. Yeah, yeah. We were all alive, living our best <laughs> lives. <laughs> um, there was one more note I know you wanted to get to, but since... You brought up the Detroit Lions. Yeah. I seem to recall someone telling me how good the Lions were against the run. They were. And I just want to say Carolina Panthers somehow managed to <laughs> eke out. I know it was tough for them, but they eked out 320 rushing yards against this the is Lions the thing. last week. I like to jinx things, apparently. They were so good for like eight straight weeks. They were dominant against the run. And then all the sudden, 49ers, you said. they. Uh, I didn't say better than the 49ers. I said they're up there with them with what they were allowing per carry. And they face so many good running backs. That's what makes no sense. And then they can't, you know, Foreman and Chuba Hubbard, you know, are just way too good for them to stop. I don't understand that. Like the NFL is so hard to predict because it's any given Sunday. And apparently nothing that you look for in trends stay consistent for the entire year. But I will say you still don't want the lions to get in over like you would much rather face Washington or even oh, yeah. Seattle or green Bay than Detroit, because I was just bringing up teams that don't need to establish the run to be good. Like the lions passing game is really good and they have some really good wide receivers. They have fast wide receivers and that's with Jamison Williams really not even, you know, coming alive yet. And we know how fast he is like that isn't an offense you really want to face i still think the 49ers would be fine they would get to jared goff and it's not in the dome so like they would still win that's not what i'm saying it's just i would much rather face washington or the giants over having to face the lions i think that's fair um i just wanted to razz you a little bit you know it's weird like you could look at the christian mccaffrey trade and i think every 49ers fan and i think 49ers coaches would tell you We love that trade. We don't regret it at all. We would never, if you gave us the option to undo it, we would never take it. And yet, if you go to the Panthers, they'd say the exact same thing, right? They've had no trouble running the ball. And it's weird that both sides would say that because you would think if one side said that, then the other side would be like, oh yeah, I wish we could take it back. It's not true. Carolina's like, great. We'll take your second, third, fourth round pick this year and your fifth round pick next year. We're doing just fine running the ball. And the Niners are like, God, no, we need Christian McCaffrey. Don't take him away. Yeah, it was the perfect scenario. We've been seeing more of those lately. It's like the whole, like Stefan Diggs and uh, Justin Jefferson. It's like both sides are like, no, we're completely happy. Like it worked out great. It's exactly what both teams needed at the time. And I don't think either team would uh, would change that. It's It's kind of cool when those things work out. There's one more thing I know you wanted to get to because the 49ers, as everybody has said, and we've talked about, they are on an eight-game win streak. You brought up last week that if the Niners are going to win the Super Bowl, that means they are going to have to win 14 straight games, assuming they don't lose in the regular season. 
Uh, what what was the thing you wanted people to know about uh, teams going into the playoffs on win streaks? Yeah, so we were talking about they'd be on a 10-game win streak and how scary that is because you just sometimes the ball bounces just not in your way sometimes and a game goes against you. But so I looked at teams to go to be on a 10 plus game win streak entering the playoffs. The 49ers would be the 13th team if they went out in the Super Bowl era to finish a regular season on a 10 plus game win streak. Six of the previous 12 teams on that win streak lost in the division round in the divisional round, including the last four teams. So the last Ooh. four teams to enter the playoffs with a 10 plus game win streak lost in the, in the divisional round. However, five of the 12 teams made it to the Super Bowl. So it's like 50, 50 shot here. Pretty much one of the teams lost in the conference championship. That was my 2004 Steelers. Uh, but so five teams made it to the Super Bowl. Three of them won. Three of the 12 won the Super Bowl after entering. So not impossible to go on that run, but also really scary that 50% chance you don't make it past that divisional round either. And the last four teams to be on that ki kind of run, you know, it, it ended for them pretty quickly. It's either going to be really, really good or really, or really, bad. really, really bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll find out which. Uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the show, everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all the support. Please rate, review, follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We're still going to have a crossover podcast tomorrow with Josh Dubow of the AP. He covers the Raiders. Just about to record that interview, actually, in about eight minutes. So we'll have that for you as well. Plus, after the game, of course, you must join Niners Nation Facebook, YouTube, Twitter page, my Twitch page, which if you don't follow me there, at Stats on Fire, just became an affiliate. Woo -woo. So thank you all for the support. And uh, Michelle, hope you have a fantastic weekend. Go Niners, baby. Go Niners. Bye, y'all.